ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Miss. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit, hit in. Bradley's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes oh, to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.7.
going into the Super Bowl, and now we've got a pair of tickets to Springsteen to give away. I mean, let's go. So finish that Bruce Springsteen lyric. That's coming up later in the show. The draft awaits us. We've moved the draft back to Friday. Draft was on Thursday throughout the football season because of football Fridays and the pick six, and it just didn't work to do it on Fridays. But uh, with football season in the rear view, we have moved our Mount Rushmore draft back to Friday. And today we are going to draft the Mount Rushmore of the programs you love to hate. That fits a certain basketball team that's visiting this weekend, right? Here in central New York, so we will get into that. Hot takes. Tiger Woods getting in a little hot water, if you didn't see that. But uh, I'm much more interested that, you know, Tiger is relevant again. Tiger is on the leaderboard. He's making moves. And just when you think we're not going to see Tiger at his peak, Tiger at his best, he comes back out. He made some shots today. I mean, he's not going to win this thing, but he made some shots today that just defies logic. It just defies everything. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when Tiger is 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 roaming, is looming, when, time, when Tiger's ready to roar. And if he can keep this up and go to Augusta and be ready to strike, because only a few years ago, in 2019 when he won, suffered the big injury, and now yet another Tiger comeback is underway. I, I didn't really appreciate his little uh, gesture with JT, if you didn't see that. He did apologize for it today. Uh, but we will get into that a little bit during hot takes. There is a Syracuse women's lacrosse game in progress as we speak, and Syracuse is up 11-6 to on Maryland at the JMA Wireless Dome, about 2.43 to go until halftime. That is a top-four matchup in the world of college lacrosse. We'll keep you updated on it throughout the afternoon. That is a heck of a jump for Syracuse there on one of the best goalies in college lacrosse. One of the best goalies in college lacrosse on the men's side will not be on the field. For Maryland, so how can the Syracuse men's lacrosse team take advantage of that? Something we will discuss uh, throughout the show. I have, uh, thanks to Jim Beheim, he piqued my interest here. If he's campaigning for his team, I give him credit for campaigning enough for me to look this up. There's definitely a flaw in the net rankings that has to be addressed here. I don't think this is Jim Beheim just, you know, complaining, if you will. I think he's making a legit gripe here. When you look at the uh, NCAA net rankings, which for the most part I like. There's a lot of truth serum in the rankings. I like this system better than the one they had before. I like it as a guide mixed in with the eye test, mixed in with how you're playing, mixed in with what human beings in a room should decide when it comes to the NCAA tournament, which we're about a month away from Selection Sunday. So we're going to look at that a little bit here. But of course, what we start with today is the least interesting Syracuse-Duke game ever. I hate to say it, guys, but it is. Now, let me, after I just slapped you in the face there, put a positive spin on this. To its credit, Syracuse-Duke has been an incredible series since these two became ACC partners. It started right off the bat, the 91-89 buzzer beater, overtime, incredible basketball game that took place in the JMA Wireless Dome. The buzz behind that, the buildup to that, when Syracuse crossed into the ACC, that was it. As upset as people were that Syracuse lost their Big East rivals, we had somebody, we were talking about the tweet yesterday, I refuse to go to them games, them ACC games. Syracuse Wake Forest on a random Tuesday night, I can't do it. Yes, sir, because there weren't any crappy Syracuse Providence games back in the day. They were all epic, right? 
Syracuse-Boston College when they were in the Big East. Every one of those games was epic. Syracuse-Seton Hall. Every one of those games was a barn burner. I mean, give me a break with that stuff. But I get it. I do get it. I get that you lost a, a certain amount of competitiveness, nostalgia, feeling. Syracuse was the Big East. It helped big the Big East. It helped build the Big East, pardon me. And they come into the ACC, and it's someone else's league that they happen to get a membership towards and cross the, the red velvet rope. And it's like, okay, yeah, you, you join the country club, but that doesn't mean you know about the secret parties, right? That doesn't mean we have to embrace you. We embrace your money, and we embrace you know what you bring to us in terms of what we can get uh, television dollar-wise from our ESPN overlords, but that doesn't mean we fully accepted you, right? I understand all that, but that was it, man. And that first Duke game, I'll never forget it. Going to sit in the seat that was furthest away that somebody was paying good money for. The stars that would be coming in, Beheim versus Sashevsky, and all those Duke players that have played in this series. And as time went on, the series maintained. Even when Syracuse wasn't on Duke's level, they would beat Duke. They go down to Cameron, the Tyus Battle buzzer beater. 95-91 basketball game. The John Gillen shot, which should have propelled Syracuse into that NCAA tournament, which did not. Dick Vitale called that game. Dick Vitale will be calling this game, right? It means something in the sense that Syracuse needs to win this game to just stay in the conversation, keep the rest of the season relevant, keep fighting, keep piling up wins that mean something. The brand name still means something. But if you're just looking at this game objectively, they're not even going to get 30000 in there for this game, which would routinely, that, that's where the conversation would start. Usually Syracuse-Duke time, I have people that are calling out of nowhere the week of the game. Hey, you got any tickets? You got any tickets? Haven't heard from anybody this week. Today, and maybe it'll still come. All right, want to be fair, it's 4.10 p.m., you want to get this out there, I would advise you do it soon. But usually I've got an email from Syracuse in my inbox that is a traffic warning that is asking us, the media, to convey to our audience to please arrive to the Duke game early. You don't want to miss anything. Park, get there, be a part of the atmosphere. It's 30,000 plus coming. You don't want to get left out because you're stuck in traffic. Crickets. Haven't seen that email? I don't think I'm going to get that email. You can go on Ticketmaster right now and get good seats to this game. Syracuse is doing a flash sale, $20 off Syracuse-Duke tickets. Think about what I'm talking about here. Syracuse-Duke tickets, which not so long ago, you would have to go on StubHub and overpay just to get in the building, and you were happy to do it. Now they're doing flash sales, 20 bucks off. Donna DeToto wrote a story today on Syracuse.com, and, and the headline of the story was that this is going to be the biggest crowd of the year at the Dome, and it is. The biggest crowd so far has been North Carolina. That was 21,000. Now, I get attendance is down across the country. We went over this yesterday. We don't have to rehash all this. There's legitimate reasons why this is not going to be what it is for a lot of reasons we covered, and, and maybe some we have not. But this is, this is it. This is your primetime event. This is the game. 
This is the game that when tickets go on sale earlier in the year, they always hold off because they can do the dynamic pricing. That didn't work. This is the social event of the season in central New York. Doesn't feel like that this year, right? And by the way, I'm not just crapping on Syracuse here. Duke has not held up their end of the bargain. Kyle Filipowski is a nice player, great college player, but he's not a star. This is not Paulo Bencaro, Zion Williamson, any of these huge names that Duke has had in recent years. Players you know that you fear, that you say, oh, man, I cannot wait till Syracuse matches up with that guy, or I love to hate that guy. Duke doesn't have that this year. John Shire's in his first year. The jury's still out about what Duke is under John Shire. Here's what I know. Uh, Duke needs this game to stay in the NCAA tournament conversation. Duke needs this game to stay in the NCAA tournament conversation. Think about what I just said there. Syracuse isn't even in it. If they win it, it helps them just keep some sort of prayer alive that a meaningful postseason could be coming their way. But we knew that. We knew that a week ago, a month ago. We've known it all year since they lost to Brian and Colgate earlier in the season. So I don't mean to ruin your weekend here. If you're going to the game and you're anticipating the game, great. It's still the biggest game of the year. There's still a lot to like about this. It's still Duke. It's it's fun to hate Duke, hate in a sports context, of course. But it just lacks the juice in terms of the event it usually is the type of game that it is, the star power that's there. If anything, I'm more interested in seeing Syracuse and their players in in the development of Judah Mintz and if Jesse Edwards is going to hit another three-pointer. And, folks, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to write about this at some point here in the next couple of days, no matter what happens in the Duke game. The feedback I am getting from you, more than anything, is, is Judah coming back. Is Joe coming back? Is Jesse coming back? Because I think what you see and what you sense is that this can be a hell of a team next year. A lot of ifs there. Got to convince Judah to come back that it would behoove him to stay at Syracuse and profit as opposed to going to the G League and profit. Jim Beheim even talked about that. On his radio program slash QSportsTalk.com exclusive chat last night. I believe I have the clip here. Give me a second and I'll find it for you. But people are already thinking about that, asking Bayheim about that. And you should, because that's the business of college basketball. The second the season ends, the race is on, right? That's a fair question to ask. It's a fair thing to think about. Not that this season is a complete waste. Not that this season has gone by the wayside. There's still a lot to play for this year, right? But people are savvy. They're smart. They know what's going on here. Here's what Jim said about that last night, by the way. Well, not if you can make the NBA, but, yeah. <laughs> if, you know, if you can't, then there's no telling where he can go. I mean, he's a really good college player, but, you know, is he going to – we're, 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 people don't realize the NBA teams have 15 guys plus two two way guys, 17 guys on their team. It's not that easy. And if you're late, for, if you're a second round pick, it's hard. Not many make it. Most of them are in the G League. So you want to go in as a first round pick. I think if he improves his shooting, stays for another year, keeps getting better, 
I think he'd easily be a first round pick in the NBA draft. And that's, you're going to make a team, bro. And make, you're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> uh, with NIL being a thing, uh, would a player like Judah be financially better off staying one more year than going? Yeah, not if you can make the NBA, but yeah, <laughs> if, you know, if you can't, then there's no telling where he can go. He's a mid-second round pick right now if he goes in the draft. And if he'd rather play in the G League, that's his prerogative. But this is what's on people's minds here. This is what speaks to where this team is at, where both teams are at. Now, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love for this to be an epic back-and-forth Syracuse-Duke game. It has that potential to be it. If anything, this is the – I think Brian said this earlier on the three one five. This is as fair a fight as you're ever going to see in this series. That should make for a competitive game. Syracuse has lost seven in a row to Duke, and most of those scores are not competitive. They gave them a hell of a punch in the nose in the ACC tournament last year, but they also lost 97-72. Year before that, they lost by 20. Year before that, 85-71. Year before that, 2020. That was a, an eight-point game. 2019, 84-72. 2019, 75-65. I mean, the last time this was really a game outside of that ACC tournament game was when Tyus Battle hit the shot and Syracuse won 95-91 in overtime. Beat the number one team in the country then. That was only a few years ago, friends. That was 2019. Feels like forever ago where these two teams are at. So I think there's a lot to like about this game in the context of where we're at here. But this is in no way, shape, or form the social event of the season it usually is. And by the way, I think that's pretty hard to maintain, right? It's just recalibrating. If you'd rather I put a positive spin on it and pat you on the head and say it's going to be okay, then okay, I'll do that for you. They're recalibrating. Duke's got to figure itself out under Shire. Bayheim's got a really young team that, again, people are pining for to see what's going to happen next year. Duke is still Duke. It'll still recruit. It'll still bring in a lot of talent, and this series could get back to being juicy. But the appeal of I've got to be there is over. Chances are you've gone to a Syracuse-Duke game by now. The bayheim Shashevsky thing has passed. Duke is down by their own standards, right? There's just, I'm not going to force it here. I'm not going to pretend this is a huge game. It's a big game in some ways, but there's still so much work to be done after that, really for both teams. This to me is more about how this team continues to get better, that they won a close game. Can they do it again if they have to? And the development of the players and keeping a mind's eye towards next season. But in the here and now, it's just not that interesting, and that's not just my opinion. People are speaking with the lack of ticket sales that are usually there for this game and everything else on the surface, the kind of conversations that are taking place and just everything that surrounds this game, right? So I don't think um, I'm here just uh, stoking the flames, you know, doing big radio topics, calling it the least interesting Syracuse-Duke game ever. It is. But that's also a credit to what Syracuse and Duke have done before this. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The chat is flowing at QSportsTalk.com. And for the love of God, do not call it a rivalry. I think most people don't. The fact that it still comes up just drives me batty. This is not a rivalry. If you're borrowing someone else's rival, it's not a rivalry. Okay? 
nice of North Carolina to let us borrow Duke for a, a rivalry game here. So just I think that conversation for the most part has ended. But just in case you needed a reminder, no, it's not a freaking rivalry. And it never was. And it never will be, by the way. It's just something different. That's okay. There are many words in the English language that you can label this thing. A rivalry is not one of them. Think of something else. Let us break. We'll come back. Get your calls on this. Get your reaction on this. We're still going to break the game down. We're still going to get you ready for it. It's not like, ah, shh. I'm not watching this thing. Watch hockey. And I love hockey. Watch uh, the Daytona 500. There's so many other things going on this weekend. Just completely ignore it. No, of course we're not going to do that. I'm just calling it like I see it. So we'll break the game down a little bit. It is a fair fight, as fair a fight as we've seen between these two. Some keys to the game coming up later. The draft coming up later. Your chance to win Springsteen tickets coming up later. We got us a full Friday show. Stay right there. We're back after this. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. He's playing great. I mean, he's a great scorer inside. He can pass it. He shoots it. Uh, physical, big, strong guy. Um, you know, he's just, you know, he, I think he's been player of the freshman week four or five times, and Judah's been there three or four times. So they've been clearly the two best freshmen in the league this year. And, uh, you know, he's just a really, really good player. Jim Beheim there on his radio program last night. And Kyle Filipowski. Not exactly like a Zion Williamson, Paolo Bencaro type star, but he is Duke's star this year. He's averaging 15 points per game. And, look, I'll tell you what, I still think he's going to end up winning the ACC Rookie of the Year, but if he slides a little bit down the stretch and if Judah Mintz stays on the pace that he's at, maybe Judah can get in that conversation to win the ACC Rookie of the Year, which would lead to a conversation about how much NIL money they should give him to stick around next year and all those things that people are starting to look over the horizon on when it comes to this team, and I don't blame you for that, but there is a game tomorrow. It is not the usual Syracuse-Duke game. It's frankly the least interesting Syracuse-Duke game in this series, which is a credit to how big some of these games have been. The star power, Bayheim, Krzyzewski, I mentioned the names, not only on the Duke side, but on the Syracuse side, the buzzer beaters, the close game, the Bayheim coat thing at Cameron, right? Duke's won seven in a row. In this series, they have dominated this series overall. Syracuse is 6-14 and 14 against Duke. So it's time for Syracuse to snap out of it, get a big win here in the sense of staying in the conversation to have a puncher's chance. And they have a puncher's chance. There is a three-game log right now here, and some separation has to come in the ACC standings between Syracuse, Duke, and Wake Forest because they're all 9-6 and six in the league, and Sally, you want about the weakness of some of the wins Syracuse has in the ACC. Nine and six in the ACC on the surface is is better than say six and ten in the league, which Boston College and Florida State are right. So, how does the log jam break up? Wake Forest is playing Miami this weekend, and this is as fair a fight as Syracuse and Duke has had since this series has started. So, I didn't forget about you. I know you guys look for this either on game day or the day before game day. 
I didn't forget about waking up the voice guy and doing some keys to the game. You think I forgot about that just because we were giving away Springsteen tickets? I almost did, frankly, but let's do it. Number one. Key number one. Let Judah cook. Judah has, as we were just talking about, emerged as somebody who is in the short breath is not only one of the best players in the league, one of the best freshmen in the country, but certainly right up there with Filipowski is the rookie of the year in the ACC. What Judah has done is fallen into a habit where the first half he's adjusting, he's trying to see how teams are playing defense on him, and he's been a bit more of a facilitator as opposed to a scorer. I think Judah has to know he's got the full-on green light here. That you don't now. I want him to still make smart decisions, find open players, not take it to the hoop every possession. He has managed to balance that. But they need a little more Judah in the first half. Gerard's been carrying this team in the first half. I think that that matchup, and Brendan Marks talked about this yesterday on the show. We thought that Brendan Marks from The Athletic, who said he feels that Duke is going to put Mark Mitchell 6'8 on Gerard, and Mitchell has done a great job this year of taking away some other perimeter threats. So who steps up there specifically, which is actually key number two? Number two. We'll get to in a second, but just to wrap up key number one, let you to cook. Not that he doesn't have the green light to do it, but I think he's got to be more of an, a strong 40-minute offensive presence. I mean, the guy ended up with 20 points and nine assists the other night. He's, he gets his numbers. But I think you're going to need a more aggressive Judah Mintz in the first half on the offensive end. And that brings us to point number two. Threes, please. And threes, please, from someone else. Duke does not come into this game as a strong three-point shooting team, right? A couple of guys, Whitehead in particular, that can hit threes. Filipowski, his numbers have dropped to about 28% from three-point range, and if Syracuse gives them open shots, they're going to cash them in. That's just what happens against Syracuse. On the other end, I don't think this is going to be a Joe Girard lights it up from three-point land type of game, as I just noted. So who steps up here? Chris Bell is two of his last 17 from three-point range. That's got to change. Justin Taylor has really quieted. He didn't even play in the second half because Bayheim didn't go to his bench in the second half against NC State because he didn't need to, nor should he have. He's going to need his bench in this game. He is going to need someone else hitting threes. Now, Joe's going to get a few because that's what Joe does, but this is not going to be one of those look-at-the-box score type of games, and Joe Girard's got six or seven threes. So you need Bell to step up. You need Taylor to step up. Anybody else that, hey, hey Jesse Edwards. You feeling frisky? Want to go for two three-pointers in a game? No, you can't count on that, right? But they're going to need threes, please, from someone other than Joe Girard. Number three. Back to Jesse we go. Hey, Jesse, look, this guy is just on a tear right now. He's really kicked it into gear in the second half. If there's a player that's going to carry this team from a puncher's chance to a real chance to be in the tournament conversation, I would put Judah Mintz at the top of that list, but I would put Jesse Edwards 1A. He got bodied up by D.J. Burns the other night, and D.J. Burns is a unique player, and certainly Duke does not have anybody of that body type. They have a terrific big man, a freshman, one of the most highly rated freshmen in the country and highly recruited freshmen in the country that's going to be tasked with getting after Jesse Edwards. And as Brendan Marks told us on the show yesterday, the interesting thing about this matchup is that they're similar body types. See, Burns was... A tank. He was a Zach Randolph type player in the paint that Jesse had to figure out 
the adjustment to. Once he did, yeah, 18 and 16. That worked out. Derek Lively is a similar body type to Jesse Edwards, a better matchup in a long, lot of ways to Jesse Edwards. He's the center that I think, 7-1-230, by the way. Cannot wait to see this. It's not Filipowski that's going to be matching up per se with Jesse, and Filipowski is going to be a problem in and of itself. That may be a uh, upcoming key here shortly. But if I'm John Shire, and Duke's been a little more physical than you would think. They're tough to rebound against, which is going to be key, not a key in, in this sense, but will certainly be important in this game. I feel like if I can body up, take Jesse out, get him into foul trouble, things that have happened before, good things are going to happen for me. So watch that matchup in the paint. Number four. Balance in the force. What we saw the other night is exactly what this team has to do. You need five players and double figures. Now, I'm not going to designate that five starters in double figures. That harkens back to what I said a moment ago. If, if Justin Taylor can come in and get into double figures, hey, Benny Williams, if there's any a time you want to totally redeem yourself, getting double figures against this team off the bench, showing you belong on the court off the bench would be huge. But you had five starters in double figures. Judah and Jesse were the, you know, the kind of the top heavy players there. Joe had 14, Malik Brown, and who am I forgetting there in that conversation? Chris Bell, even Chris Bell, both got into double figures. They weren't as impressive as those other guys, but you had five players in double figures. Balance. You needed that balance. You know what else you need? Number five. Free throws matter. This team has gone 51 of 58 at the free throw line. In the last three games, this has become a strategy. This is not a circumstance. Now, you never know with ACC officials, which is why you can't lean on this, but it's just been natural with how much Judah and Joe in particular have been driving into the paint, knowing how to draw fouls. Jesse Edwards' free throw percentage has jumped from 56 to 73% this season. Free throws matter always, as Uncle Brent likes to tell you. They particularly matter for this team because of the three-point line. Hasn't been as successful as it needs to be. Plus, teams are not getting to the free-throw line against Syracuse because they take so many threes. That's not going to be the case here. Duke will certainly be tempted to take some, but not as much as NC State the other night. NC State took 34 three-pointers the other night. Okay, If I can make it one guarantee in this game, Duke ain't going to take that many as much as they'll be tempted to. Let you to cook. Threes from someone else, please. Hey, Jesse, balance in the force. Free throws matter. You do those five things, you'll beat Duke tomorrow. The hashtag and the T-shirt say. We need to break. When we come back, guess what's back on Fridays? You guys ready? We're doing it on Thursdays throughout football season, but we are back. And it's draft day. Jordan, Josh, and I will draft the Mount Rushmore of the programs and teams you love to hate. Coming up next, stay right there.